This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake or check out their website at icellers.ca. Find out how you can support us like Adnan by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pruitt. Michael, you're a piece I have been known to be one of those. You got me out of bed at hey, 7 a.m. Hey, hey. on a Saturday morning. I, we weren't sleeping together. You make it sound like I was the one who who kind of woke you up by kicking you in the nads. Well, you may as well have. I mean, getting up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday is a bit of a stretch. But I know you go to bed at 9 p.m. and you're up at like 3 a.m. to get your like choring done, like churning butter or whatever you Amish people do. I'm not Amish. I'm sitting at the computer at 3 a.m. and I like to email you and I see how long it takes to, <laughs> to answer me is usually what it's like. Yeah, I guess for people who don't know, like we do a lot of stuff through Facebook Messenger and email and like there's often times because I'll work late. I'm a bit of a night owl. I work until midnight or 1 a.m. And I'll send Michael, you know, my late night thoughts. And then I wake up and I'll, I'll wake up at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. sometimes because my dog's woken me up or whatever. And it's just like, oh, Michael's already up. Yeah, I already gave already given you my answers. And I and I the problem is I keep waiting. You, you send, go to bed. I send and go, well, come on, get up. You did get me out of bed, though, for probably one of the only regions on the planet that i would get out of bed early for this was the second time you gotten out of bed actually for the same country well, the first the first time was to prove you wrong about champagne flutes still not wrong i mean olivier krug would disagree with you but you can go back and check that episode of the podcast out i don't i don't think he's right okay but that's that's his opinion but i have a lot of people come up to me and shake my hand and go thanks for standing up for the flute <laughs> People who obviously don't like good sparkling Many wine. people. People have said. <laughs> okay. I just This is already off the rails, and this is just supposed to be introing the podcast. I love France, and, and every time we have a chance to talk to somebody from France, it's always enlightening, and, it and it's well worth our time, but especially the Rhône-Alpes region of France. Well, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the Rhone Valley, and when yes. this this kind of came into uh, let's say came into our lap, yes, I, it was uh, I didn't have to talk talk you into it very long. No, because I mean, when want I, to speak to the Rhone Valley? Yes, damn yes, yes, yeah. Because in January, I I had a chance to get like an amuse bouche from the Rhone Valley. I went to Domaine de Remisière, uh, and I had my life changed by the Hermitage, both red and white, from Domaine de Remisière. Which, when it came through, agent, you and I on consignment purchased some of the Saint Joseph from Domaine de Remisier. Still haven't drank it. I'm I'm going on your. I know I got you to spend more than thirty dollars on a bottle of wine. Now, on be my careful there. Well, I know it's not. It's it's tough to get that wallet pried open, but I'm I'm certain it was worth it. Look, I got it sitting in the cellar, and if you're wrong, I'm coming back at you. But, but I got I got to wait five years. You said you already drank yours. I'm, a, I'm oh yeah, a little with more... like three hours of decant. And hey, there's another Domaine de Remisier coming through. Um, Classics in December. I'm buying a bottle of that. It's I think fifty bucks. Oh, so you got to share that with me? Sure. All right. Maybe I'll buy two. Done. Maybe if my wife's listening to this podcast, she won't know that I bought it, and I only have to share the one with you. Correct. See, she doesn't know because she doesn't listen to the podcast. I love the fact that it's become an inside joke that our wives don't listen to our podcast. Even when I tag them, they don't yep. listen to the podcast. So. Yep. Anyways, take it away, Michael. I here we go. We're going to talk to um, uh, Natalie from the uh, Rhone Valley. Andre, it's uh, yeah, it's so a bright and early 
early morning here in uh, in the where are we? Montreal. It's well, it's November, and I mean, it's been a while since we've had to wake up to speak to uh, one of the wonderful wine experts in France. I think the last time we woke up this early was when I had Olivier Krug uh, school you on wine glasses, but you still aren't taking his advice. No, I, I don't think he's he's right, uh, Andre. I'll I'll go come right out and say that now because I I didn't want to offend the man that early in the morning, nor did I feel offended so early in the morning. So, uh, so today, I think I think it's probably good that we're talking to someone where champagne flutes are not going to be part of the discussion at all. No, this one this one has nothing. No, to do no, with no. It. Uh, today we are talking there, to. There is some bubbly in the Rhone, but not so much. Well, there we go. We've and, the bubble's been she, burst, and she pop pops in. Uh, it's Natalie Waltershide. Uh, Waltershide. Yes. Wow, I'm not getting that yes. right. Man, you Jim Richards the crap out of that name. Wow, I did. Oh, man. I, yeah. So, Natalie Waltershide. Uh, and yes. uh, Natalie, why don't you tell us um, why we're speaking to you, as in what you do and what your focus uh, for wine is? Well, actually, you're talking to me because... Um... I'm in the Rhone Valley since about 20 years, and um, I did my schooling also. Well, actually, I started wine like 20 years ago. I was a soybean trader, and then I had my schooling in Holland because I was working at that time in Holland, and I did the sommelier course in Holland. There are some wines in Holland, and, um, and then I imported some French wines, Rhone wines, and Languedoc-Roussillon wines in Holland. And then I moved to south of France, and I became a mountain climber, and I visited all the vineyards in the world because I climbed many mountains. And then I came back to area of Avignon, and I did my wine courses in Université du Vin, in Suze-la-Rousse, which is not far away from Avignon. And I'm working now freelance for Anteron, where I'm a doing the classes at the wine school in Avignon, which is just next to the Palais des Papes. Which is pretty I impressive for somebody who's 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit old, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I, and, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with that, that mountain climbing thing. That. Well, we can do another interview for the mountain climbing. Wow. That's, well, it's, that's it's, it's, it's interesting that um, you kind of, we can we can ease our way right into what exactly Rhone wine is. You said you're next to the Palais des Papes, and it is the um, former residence of the Pope. I can't remember how long ago it was he lived there, because for some reason, I had managed to visit it when I was 17. But it is the yes. um, it is the the location that gives Chateauneuf du Pape its name. Exactly, it was in the 14th century, and um, then in 1306, um, in Italy, they chose a French guy to be become pope, and this French guy said, "Okay, let's move the papal seat from Rome to Avignon," and that's why they came here for about. 70 years, and there has been around seven popes. And Pape Clément, he wanted a summer residence, and uh, he decided, okay, outside of Avignon, and did that in Chateauneuf, Chateauneuf-du-Pape. That's how Chateauneuf-du-Pape was created. And that's also the start uh, when the vineyards around here became 
quite famous because the popes before they drank more Bourgogne and Bordeaux, and now and then the the vineyards around Avignon became well known also at the pope's table. Voilà. And the wine school is just next to the Palais des Papes. It was an ancient Banque de France, and they transformed the whole building into wine school, wine bar, and restaurant. And next year, we hope to have a gastronomic restaurant. And then, like in Bourgogne and Bordeaux, uh, Anteron wants to create this school in order to promote their wines uh, in France and worldwide. And uh, we are lucky because in Avignon we have lots loads of tourists. And uh, so it's also the perfect area to introduce Rhone wines to all the foreigners coming in. And that's why I have a role because as I'm speaking several languages, I do the different courses in German, in Dutch, in English, etc. Voilà, voilà. Wow. Now I know you you um you mentioned about opening the the gastronomic um sorry gastronomic restaurant, but I, I think one thing if we're talking about visiting the Rhone, um, you know when I'm thinking about gastronomy, one of my favorite places, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, is Lyon, and you can visit part of the Rhone Valley just a stone's throw away from Lyon. Um, exactly. But Avignon's pretty far from Lyon. So how big is the Rhone Valley if you're planning on visiting? Well, if you want to really go from north to south, uh, actually it's 250 kilometers. Um, so from Lyon to about Montélimar, which is uh, a bit north of Avignon, you have all the north Rhone uh, vineyards. And uh, that's very well to do in a few days. And uh, definitely you should do that because there are some treasures like the Condrieu and Cotroti and so forth. Oh, and you forgot and, you forgot um, about another important treasure in the Northern Rhone, and that's uh, La Cité du Chocolat. Yeah. <laughs> in- I know very well because I did a visit, and on the autoroute I, I was almost sick when I drove down again. Okay. <laughs> There you go, Andre. Thanks a lot for bringing up a painful memory. Whatever. I still had to, I, I, I still had to mention it. Um, if you haven't had Valrona chocolate, I know we're supposed to be talking about the wines, but the Valrona chocolate made in the Northern Rhone is second to none on the planet. That's it. I just got to say it. All right. So and there's yeah, another, it's definitely and, very nice to combine with the wines, especially the, the wines of um, Côte Roti and Cornat. You can do some very excellent chocolate and wine pairing and so that's really, really interesting. Well, she's kind of she kind of led me into my, my, my first question of, of very many, obviously. Yes. Some of them actually have to do with the mountain climbing, but as you said, we'll do that another time. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so, uh, Natalie, what is the difference between the Northern Rhone and the Southern Rhone? Well, actually, the big difference is, uh, first thing is climate. The North is more like continental. The South is more like Mediterranean climate. Um, also, the difference is that North Rhone, all the vineyards are facing the Rhone almost. So it's facing south, southeast. Uh, most of them are very steep terraces, which were already built uh, during the Roman times. If you take the terraces of uh, Côte-Roti and Condrieu, uh, for instance, 
and um, there's also more like single variety wines. For the red, is Syrah, and for the white, you have uh, Viognier, which is the, the wine variety for Condrieu and Chateau Grier. And otherwise, for Hermitage, Gros Hermitage, Saint Joseph, Saint Perret, you use the two grape varieties, Marsan, Roussan. And also, the difference is in the north, you have a soil which is granitic, it's granite, with a little bit of sand above it, to keep it simple, it's called the granite. And in the south, the difference is that um, the south is 95% of the production of the Rhone Valley. The north is only 5% because um, in the south, the vineyards stretch out to 80 kilometers outside the Rhone River. So you have a lot of different expositions, south, southeast, even north, west. Um, and also uh, the soils are different. It's more like sedimentary uh, um, car soils because the sea has invaded the south of the Mediterranean twice so it's more like sedimentary soils and also the big difference is that in the south you have um, um, also blending of the different grape varieties all the wines are blend so that's are the two big differences and also, in general, you could say that the wines in the north are more like, um, more say, um, uh, more on the uh, tendu, a bit more straight wines. In the south, they're more round. I think that's a great way to a great way to put it. I I, I, I think I would. Maybe the better way to break it down is is to just say, like, when you think about the Northern Rhone wines, and granted I only got to visit one winery, but the Syrah just has a lot more acid and a lot more of the, like, meatiness to it. And the further south you get, like, I don't think I've ever tasted a Chateau Neuf du Pape that tasted like beef, you know? Like, Chateau Neuf du Pape is exactly like you said, big and round and... Big and round and generous. And, and just full of like rich fruit, like fuller, it's yeah, fuller bodied. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah. obviously, we've talked about Chateau Neuf de Pape, which is a very special region within the Rhone Valley. But um, Natalie, there are, I, and I sat in on a on a um, a master class or whatever we had uh, over on this side of the pond uh, about the Rhone Valley. And it's amazing to find out the different sub-regions of the Rhone. So well, she since listed, you are she listed all more of them the expert off, than like... me just sitting having lunch and, uh, you know, looking at a map, what are those sub-regions and what makes them so special? You don't well, have to go through all of them. I know there's tons, but, you know, pick a couple more. Yeah, let's take two of them. Because actually this morning I just had a course on the Luberon wines. And um, you have... Um, the mountains in the South Rhone, which is Dantel de Montmirail. That's very small, so let's keep it to the two bigger ones. You have Ventoux. Well, Ventoux is very well known eh, because of the um, bicycling. Tour de France. They mm -hmm. go to the Mont Ventoux. You have heard about it. Uh, I've had wines from Ventoux. Yeah. And, um, and the other one is um, uh, Luberon. 
So these are two uh, two mountains, and the interesting thing for the terroir there is altitude, because as you know, in the south, the challenge is uh, is the heat and the sun and the draft. So it means that uh, the wines make a lot of alcohol, a lot of sugar means a lot of alcohol. So you have to keep the balance with the acidity, with the malic acid. So the challenge here for the winemakers is to make uh, balanced wines, which are not too alcoholic. And that's why we look at terroir, which brings some freshness. So let's see with Luberon and uh, Ventoux. Uh, two good examples is that um, the vineyards are between 200 and 500 meters high. So if you know each time you go up 100 meters, you lose 0.6 degrees Celsius. And um, as you know, in the, in the berry, when it uh, matures, the sugar goes up and then the malic acid goes down. And the important thing is that the malic acid doesn't go down too fast, so we try to find climates with, with more um, freshness. So the mountains are very interesting because you have altitude, where you lose a few degrees Celsius. And also, on the mountain, you always have the north side, where the wind goes up, the wind gets cooler, and then it breezes down on the other side from freshness. And that's why the terroir of uh, these two mountains, Ventoux and Liberon, is very interesting because it gives wine a bit more uh, more elegance and freshness in the profile. And then you have another one, uh, Costia de Nîmes, which is the most southwest uh, uh, appellation of the Rhone Valley. And... It's actually a plateau uh, and which is uh, really near the Camargue. And at the Camargue, you have a sea breeze. And the sea breeze is very important because it brings you the freshness to keep this balance in the wine. So that's a few examples of the other appellations. Obviously, when you're getting into the south of Rhone, um, you're dealing with summers that do get quite hot. Um yeah. Has the Rhone Valley been affected by the same sort of extreme weather that's really been hitting, uh, I guess, Burgundy comes to mind over the past, uh, I guess, the past decade? Uh, here you have, uh, we had some grêle um, last June. Uh, there were quite a bit of winds in Crozamitage, which, uh, which suffered of it. Um, otherwise, the big challenge here is, of course, the heat uh, and, uh, and the dryness. And uh, that's, of course, a challenge because you want to make wines which are in balance between yeah, the alcohol and the acidity. That's, I think that's the major challenge of this area. I know with, so, um, with, the, with the French AOC rules, like uh, one of the reasons why French wine is so great is because of the strict rules on you know, crop loads and just what can be done in the in the vineyards. Um, I was in Languedoc in October, and it was curious to see uh, in Le Clap they had irrigation in place. Uh, is the AOC for Rhone wines looking to make changes to help prepare the region um, to deal with climate change? Like, are you looking at new varieties of grapes to plant, or is there talks of irrigation being brought in to just help young vines uh, get their roots? 
Uh, yes, irrigation uh, is allowed for young wines, uh, not allowed for for older vines. Um, you can uh, sometimes have uh, an exception which is given by the préfet, and it's an official. Uh, you can, uh, in very extreme situation, you can do some irrigation that is very rare, and maximum so half August because of the raison of the grapes. Um, L'INRA, which is the Institut National de Recherche Agronomique, mm -hmm. uh, they are making studies now to bring in some old uh, grape varieties, which are more resistant to heat because they have a later maturity. Uh, let's, for example, Vacares, Muscarda. Uh, and um, at that time, they were... Uh, they didn't use them anymore because at that time the weather was cooler and they didn't get the right maturity. But now today as the weather is changing, so they they are studying those old grape varieties and maybe to blend them with the more modern ones. And otherwise, there's also um, also for the sources of water, the planting density is lower. For instance, um, in average in the South Rhone, it's about uh, two, I would say, 4,000 vines per hectare, and in the north side, it's 8,000 vines per hectare. There's also studies to make some compost to keep humidity, and uh, with trailizing, you know, with uh, foliage management. So there's also studies maybe to plant some trees above the vineyard, to, you know, to get some shade. So. There are some studies going on, um, but uh, so the adaptation uh, will be made yeah, in the next uh, 10, 20 years if needed. And um, But like the great Syrah, uh, Syrah is also grown in the world in areas where it's in average two to three degrees um, higher than here. So, so the adaptation, they're making studies for the adaptation yet. How many, how many different varieties are, are grown in, in the Rhone? I know that the northern Rhone is, is primarily Syrah, but you said yes. there's blending in the south. So when we're talking about blending, how, how many grapes are going into some of these wines? Ah, there are 32 grape varieties in the south. <laughs> so in and the north, then, you have three white, one red, and in the south, you have 32 Um because you have different uh, expositions, different soils, uh, and uh, but the main ones are, of course, the uh, Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, GMS, as they call them in California. Yep. And uh, the main ones are Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedre, and Sanso, and uh, Carignan. And you, and you can blend all of those grapes into, into the one wine, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, um, in um, in Tavel, for instance, you can blend to eight uh, different uh, varieties. Um, yeah, you can blend them all. Actually, the yeah, yeah. because you have the main. Um, I take an example for Côte du Rhône. Uh, you have a minimum of thirty percent Grenache. Grenache is a grape which brings a lot of sugar, a lot of volume. It doesn't have much tannins and very thin skin and not so much color so you're obliged to uh, blend it with minimum 
about 25% Syrah and or Mouvert to bring in the color and to bring in the tannins, which means you have a tested wine. And then you have all the other cépages, third cépages you can choose out of to, to blend with. Also the white ones, so maximum 5% to 10%, depending on the appellation. Of course, before fermentation. Got it. All right. I was I was right. waiting I was Michael I was waiting for you to see if you were going to make Natalie list all thirty varieties but I I think if anyone no I wasn't going to do that to her. <laughs> unless she unless she can Natalie can you do it no no oh it's oh yeah I have um so the main ones is um <laughs> I hate you Michael <laughs> and then you have more like uh, old ones. Uh, Vacarez, Muscardin, uh, Cool Noir, uh, what else do we have? Uh, let me see. So that's eight. That's eight. Also, like, huh? That's eight. We're up to eight. Only only 22 to go. <laughs> no, we can stop. We can stop her there, Andre. Okay, that's, okay. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of mean to do. Yeah, like and it's... It was a very... It was a you very... It was a very just Michael question to ask. So, you know what? I want to, I want to move just a little bit to um, how you get into Rowan wines. Because I know you mentioned that uh, when you were taking your wine education that um, you were bringing Rowan wines uh, to you. Um, especially when you're talking about a region like Chateauneuf-du-Pape where the wines can get quite expensive. What's the best way to ease yourself into Rhone wines without spending a lot of money? Uh, well, definitely not go to Chateau de Uh There are other appellations which are very interesting. Keran. Um, uh, Keran, which is just next door to Chateau uh, They make very beautiful white wines and red wines, and it's often referred as uh, the little brother of Chateau Neuf. And um, there's very interesting wines. And otherwise, uh, a region I like very much is Gigonda. Gigonda is becoming quite well known also now because Giganda is on the foot of the Dantel de Montmirail, it's a little mountain and uh, it's uh, because it's, uh, the vines are on higher altitude, it's very balanced very interesting wine and otherwise um, oh yeah, another thing maybe it's interesting uh, that Napoleon also uh, Vin Sobre Vinsobre is more north uh, appellation in the south uh, Rhone. Vinsobre um, is appellation which is not very well known, but really interesting because you have these uh, plateaus at 400 meters altitude and also the influence of the um, Alps wind, and uh, which gives some nice freshness, and that gives some very balanced wines very elegant and funny enough it's not so well known they're doing a lot of publicity now to try to make it more well known it's called vin sobre i don't know if you have heard about it I, i've uh, i've actually seen some and have some in my wine cellar actually mostly from uh, oh good from perrin okay all right no. one of one of the regions uh, that we are we are seeing more here uh and actually one of my favorite regions that uh that i that i've seen and i learned a little bit about from one of the producers was Plan de Dieu. Oh yeah, Plan de Dieu, yeah, 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 which is this plateau in the center, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And that's very yeah. close also to Shadow Nifty Pop, is it not? Yes, it's very close. It's on the flat part, yeah. yeah. And the, and the, and the interesting part is... Uh, the, the, I, I always thought the interesting part is it's so it's very close to Shadow Nifty Pop, yet you're paying over forty, fifty dollars for a bottle of Shadow Nifty Pop, and yet for Planted Year you can buy a bottle of wine for fifteen bucks. So I always found oh, it yes, very interesting. even less. And um, and for the white, uh, which is interesting, is Keran also because yeah, we don't, the same grape varieties. Yeah, yeah, we sadly we sadly don't uh, we don't see the whites, but the reds come into uh, come into Ontario. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you have this um, centered uh, buying unit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like how she said that. Cent- <laughs> centered buying unit. <laughs> That's a nice That's way of saying monopoly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another interesting thing is that um, uh, you also have the Tavel wines because now there's such a big fashion in a very light rosé, which is finally called the Provence. And now there's a movement back to have more concentrated rosés, and there Tavel is very interesting. And there you have Tavel? Yes, we we get Tavel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Most, mostly in the summer, but uh, sometimes one shows up in the winter because you never know when you'll need a rosé in the winter. Yeah, but these are, are gastronomic rosés because they, they, they're made by bleeding methods, which means you have, they're darker than the uh, direct press rosés. And these are also very interesting uh, for the um, uh, food and wine pairing. And I think that's a very interesting region, especially now that everybody's focusing on those light rosés. So it'll be interesting to look into that. So let's pretend that Andre is going to France uh, and that he is yes. heading to the Rhone Valley because he won't let me go to France. <laughs> and uh, so Andre's going. Um, what advice would you give somebody planning a trip into the Rhone Valley? I think the, the, the thing which is very good, if you go on the internet site, answerhorn.com, um, there you have the whole description of all the appellations. You have all the wine routes. And um, they also have the list of producers. And um, uh, I think that's a good way to prepare your trip, I think. And how many producers so, uh, are there in the, in the Rhone? That's a tough question, I think. Uh, that's about, there are about 3,500 uh, 3, wine producers. So um, the, basically a day's trip is what you're saying. Sorry? Basically a day trip. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even think you could do the entire Rhone between north and south in a day. No, no way. Unless you do like the Japanese, you fly down. But you know. But I think you should definitely take a week for the north and a week for the south. Minimum two weeks. Oh, Minimum right. two right. weeks. Course, the gauntlet has been thrown down. The uh, Ecole des Vins. Well, you said that you're teaching at this Ecole des Vins, and it's an, a new, a newer um, institution being having been built in Avignon. Are there programs available for tourists if we go to Le Col de Vey? Yes, yes. Uh, you can also book courses in whatever language in advance if you lead a group, so that's no problem. Great. So, Michael, um, you can work on yes. your French. Sorry? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm going to do, Andre. I said Michael could work on his French. <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay, then in French. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's also the Université du Vin sur la Rousse, which 
uh, also gives uh, one course, which is about 45 minutes uh, higher up north. But yeah. I think to prepare your trip, it's very good, uh, the internet site, anteron.com. Yeah, I'm on the site right now. There's definitely a lot of stuff to take a look at here. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a description of all the appellations. You have a description of all the great priorities, uh, the, the history of the region, terroir, and um, on each appellation, you have a technical uh, resume, you know, um, the um, surface, uh, great priorities, first, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so it's a good way to prepare, yeah. And also suggestions for tables and... Um, Oh, right on. I, I, I then, like the um, fact that it, it's got, like, routes that you can take, which is always nice to nice to see, and you're not just driving around looking for a winery. Exactly, yeah. So you can really prepare your trip. Then you rent a car, and then and uh, if you're in Avignon, you take a course here, and then, um, and then you just triple out your route. And also, uh, there's Agenda, and there, in the summer, there are a lot of activities because you have a lot of... Uh, domain which make uh, wine tastings or you have some guided walks or you know Eunotourism is very really, really, um, in development now in the uh, Rhone area it's, Very um, nice So you can really prepare your trip which is, which is good and you also have a list of wine producers and you can also check out if they speak English so it's, yeah Andre's very quiet, I think he's actually planning his trip right now Probably. Oh, good, good. <laughs> he's on the he's on the website right now, so he's looking it up, figuring out where he wants to go, well, including his city and, uh, of chocolate in there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he should try to stay longer than two weeks. See, Andre, stay longer than two weeks. If only, if only I could afford that. <laughs> Well, Natalie, uh, we thank you very much for, for taking the time, uh, I would say, so early in the morning, but uh, it's it's the afternoon for you, is it not? No, for me, it's uh, lunchtime. Oh, well, well thank, you for, thank you for taking your lunchtime. Yes, thank you for, for taking the time. No, no to... problem, no problem. <laughs> oh, I see now people left the course, and oh, wow, they almost finished all the bottles. All right. What kind of, what, <laughs> what, anything left over for lunch for what, you? Or what no? wine was it you were yeah, pouring yeah, for your class? Yeah. What were you pouring for your class? What, what, are, what are you drinking with lunch? Because it's... It's seven thirty in Ontario. Oh, it's actually, too early yeah, to think of wine. Um, on the Luberon white, and on the one grape variety which is named Vermontino. Oh yeah. And and Vermontino is a grape which is I like very much because it um, it has really nice fruitiness and a nice acidity and it's quite full body and uh, pairs very well with different foods. And um, so we had a course on that, but of course uh, it was always blended with other great varieties like Grenache, Uni Blanc, Claret, and Bourboulang to get the, the uh, perfect balance between the um, acidity, alcohol, and the sugar. And um, and I have uh, yeah some nice uh, Maslouris, which is very nice, and it's funny because Maslouris. The one of the owners is a lady out of uh, New York, American one. Oh, huh. there you go. Uh, and um, so I probably have that, and I'll probably make myself a little poisson grillé, a little grilled fish, dorade. With that wine, that will be absolutely ex excellent. 
Look at that, Andre. She's 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 already planning lunch. She's like like you at uh, at three in the afternoon planning your dinner. Oh, I already know I what I'm eating. I already know what I'm eating for dinner today. I think I I'm going to be doing some fish as well. I'll probably have to go pick up a bottle of Rhone wine. See what I can find. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you I guys have no have kitchen right now, so I'm not cooking anything. Oh, you have no kitchen. So you have to go to restaurants. Well, my my brother is invited well, us French, over, please. so I can bring Rhone wine there. All wine aside. I think for most Canadians, you have the tourist experience in France, you land in Paris, you do the Paris thing, you come back to Canada, and you complain about the French. And Paris is not the French. And here's one thing I have to say about France is Paris is definitely bucket list. It has the museums. It has the buildings. The Eiffel Tower is actually worth it. You need to go to Paris at least once to see it. I guess. It's not on my bucket list. But if you want to experience French culture, you need to leave Paris, and I, I've said this before, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but my heart belongs to Lyon, and it's at that heart where it's it's just north of the Rhone Valley, it's south of Burgundy, it's a 20-minute drive from Beaujolais, what more could you possibly want? Oh, great food. Um, Michael, I'm going to find a, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we got to find a way to get to Lyon to do food and wine and just talk about the region and go there and interview you know, people. You know I'm in. Rhone Valley has always been one of my favorite regions. The always. City of Chocolate is in there. As you pointed out many times. City of Chocolate. Have you ever had Valrona chocolate? And it comes up again. Have you ever had Valrona chocolate? I have not. we got to fix that. Andre? From, you are Andre Prue. For AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Andre, do you have any of that chocolate kicking around the house? You know what? I might. Let's see what I can pull out. All right. Please, again, you've gone to this, what I've got you out of bed, and now you're pulling things out. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.